0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerz Day, January 10th, 2022. On the show today, news, listener questions, and in our main segment, data storyteller Becky Gandelon tells us which Genie Plus reservations save the most time in line at all four Walt Disney World theme parks. Let's get started by bringing in the man who wants to know who called them curly fries instead of the much better sounding rotatos. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Rotatoes? Oh, okay. Sounds like a lovely side dish for the rotisserie chicken I was planning
1: on making. (laughs) It's all spiral cut everything all the time, Jim. There we go. As soon as I finish that call to the Rotary Club, which I'm doing (laughs) on my Rotary phone. I'm going to bust out my Vegematic and get some
0: Rotatoes in the works. All right, Jim, and we have a special guest on the show today. Becky Gandelon is a Diddy storyteller from St. Louis, Missouri. She's got a master's degree in biomedical engineering. See, Jim, we can appeal to people from the wet sciences, Becky's Disney-related work includes the above-average, below-average context analysis for the unofficial guide's restaurant and attraction ratings, as well as data science for touringplans.com. Welcome to the show, Becky.
2: Thanks for having me. Excited to chat today. I
0: am super excited to have you on the show as well. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Before we get started, let's do a quick shout-out to subscribers over at disneydish.bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, slide operator Nick, Amy McHodges, and CMMC. And longtime subscribers, Greg Berg, Matt Herndon, and Kelly Reese. Jim, these are the Disney bartenders who accidentally, and I did that in air quotes, handed out passion fruit margaritas instead of Gatorade to runners at yesterday's Walt Disney World Marathon. So if you realized you weren't running as fast as you thought, and you absolutely didn't care one bit, these are the folks to thank. True story. Ooh, this would explain the people
1: with the bibs out on (laughs) (laughs) I-4.
0: I'm lost. Yes. Do I care? No. (laughs) There we go. All right, folks, let's do the news. The Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. All right, Jim, Disney announced this week a moderate discount for Walt Disney World hotel rooms. Its first days from March 6th through July 7th, 2022. So that's spring break and the first full month of summer vacation. Discounts look like they're around fifteen to twenty percent off rack rate, so pretty typical. It looks super similar to the offer that annual pass holders and DVC folks got back in November. Jim, what do you what do you make of this? You've been watching pretty much the same thing that's going on in the headlines
1: and that sort of thing. You know, for example, what is it the. Uh, Up in Canada, the theater chain laid off 5,000 part-time employees temporarily out of an abundance of caution. What is it? The Grammys just got, you know. Yeah, postponed indefinitely, yeah. Yeah, there's a kind of a deja vu thing going on here. And President Biden just a few days ago was talking about managing rather than containing. Yeah. So I think everybody's just sort of like, okay, it's not going to be the same thing, but... You know, if you need a little bit more incentive to convince people to get on a plane to go down to Orlando, right. this is a way to do it. You know, just, just sort of dip the prices a bit and see if that's enough to sort of tip the balance. But I am not happy with a lot of the news today.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I mean, the, the discount is pretty typical uh, for this time of year. I think um, the thing that uh, – so Disney had to put it out because they would, they would put it out normally every year. I think the big question I have here is how much inventory applies to the sale. Mm-hmm. Right, because if it's like 10 rooms at each resort, that really doesn't mean any, anything. But if it's a lot, then yeah. you... And I think I think Disney probably went low on this, mm-hmm. just gauging from the conversations I had with travel agents. And the reason for that is, um, number one, like you said, nobody knows what's going to happen two months mm-hmm. from now in March. Number two, we don't know anything about staffing levels. Like I've heard some employers around the country are down like 20% right now because of um, Omicron.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you talk staffing. We're already in a situation where at resorts where you can opt out of room maintenance, so they're only coming twice a day to begin with. But twice, twice a week. Twice a week. Yeah. Are you going to? Then have to shut down food courts, and the ripple like, that has. What is it? The, the the there are a lot of unknowns, and then the the unknown known.
0: <laughs> yeah. no. Shout out to Donald Rumsfeld. There we go. <laughs> it's, it's not a show unless we've we've referred to a previous Secretary of Defense at some point, right?
1: There we go. All right,
0: we all have goals, Len. We all have goals. So. Uh, Becky, anything to add on the uh, on the discount? Your your take on it?
2: I, I mean, it's it's not just a question of availability; it's a question of actually being able to book it. I know there were a lot of Space Mountain orbiting going on yesterday and today, so it's interesting to see: uh, is there a lot of demand, or is it uh, Disney? Somehow limiting access or having some of their normal IT problems. So
0: yeah, I mean the the uh, the usual disclaimers apply, right? Number of rooms may be limited. Certain room discounts aren't available. Yada yada yada. But mm-hmm. yeah, it uh, it I, I noticed yesterday, speaking of uh, Disney's website, Becky, that they instituted a queue. Yeah. For uh, for this discount too, which is one of the first times that they've used it for. Hotel reservations, right? Yep. They've used it, they use it on the Galactic Star Cruiser, but this is the first time we've seen it on general hotel rooms.
2: Yeah. And now, yeah, you have a queue, you had a posted wait time. So maybe we'll start doing some analytics on your (laughs) (laughs) on your your website. Wait. That's coming next.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. All right, that's good. All right, on to listener questions. Here's one from Mitchell, who says, Hey Lynn and Jim, I'm asking this question on behalf of our friends over at podcast The Ride. They recently had an episode covering the Disney on Ice show called Disneyland Adventure, which also went by the title The Incredibles in a Magic Kingdom Adventure, which ran from August 2005 through August 2011. The show included some Disney reworked covers of some very famous pop songs, such as Cold as Ice by Foreigner. What the good boys found quite perplexing is that included in the show is a Disney cover of a pretty obscure song called You're Too Flexible to Be Human, and the word "your" is spelled incorrectly, from the 2004 album Leased Me Up by Jay Bigga. Could you guys do some digging and find out if there's any type of story behind how this very obscure song made its way to Disney on Ice? Their best guess was probably Jay Bigga is a relative of some Disney executive. Thanks for all of your hard work. Jim, not only did I manage to track down Mr. Mr. Bigga, who also goes by the name Mr. Gold Bars, but I have his phone number now, and I've asked him Mr. Mitchell's question. So we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> but that's not the strange part of the story, right?
1: No, no. I, I, what's intriguing about uh, the use of the Flexible song, You Too Flexible to Be Human. Which, by the way, I listened to
0: when Mitchell sent it in. And? Some some risque lyrics for a Disney on Ice show, is what I'm saying. Typically, a Disney on Ice show is built around a Disney
1: film, a a Pocahontas, a Beauty and the Beast, and you have a score that you can tap into. You have songs you can actually physically pull out of the movie. Remember, Incredibles had a musical score, but not songs. And so they were really challenged when they brought this thing in to develop it as an ice arena show. And also, I did some digging down into the development of this show. And Jerry Bellick, who was the gentleman at the Feld organization, who adapts these things for the uh, of arenas, got a great quote from him. He said, I saw the movie and I couldn't believe it. Things are blowing up. Buildings are on fire. Explosions. And I had no idea how we were going to do this on ice and still have skaters in the middle of it. And so what they decided to do was, rather than do an adaptation of the Brad Bird film, which came out in theaters in November of 2004, they basically did a sequel. And the idea was that having defeated Syndrome, the Parr family decides, let's go to Disney World. And so- I actually pulled the program, sent these images to Len because it's like you have moments in the show where the Parr family is on Main Street getting their picture taken with Big and Mini. Oh, you know, the next thing, they're on the Jungle Cruise only. Bob is suffering basically from post-traumatic stress syndrome. He sees danger everywhere. So when the family's on the Jungle Cruise, he jumps out of the boat and wrestles a mechanical crocodile. And then... uh, So he's like like all of us in that respect, Jim. (laughs) Well, there you go. He's on Big Thunder with the family. And again, they replicate Big Thunder. And he sees a prop car or car roll into a scene filled with fake dynamite and he jumps off of the train and throws it off stage and his wife, she's the one who performs on stage in the you more flexible than human number uh, she finally convinces him, ah, you know come down, we're on vacation, nothing bad's going to happen and so they're on Pirates of the Caribbean and Bob is finally relaxed only Syndrome the re- uh, well he's dead from the film but it's a perfect robot replica clone of Syndrome uh, actually voiced by Jason Lee. He came back to voice the character for the show. He has taken control of all of the audio animatronics and pirates. And now the pirates are coming after the Parr family. And I have a, a great quote here from Kenneth Feld, the gentleman in charge of the organization. He, he talks about our talented choreographers made sure the Incredibles powers were displayed in their skating. In some scenes, the skating reflects the park attractions, the animatronics that were mimicked with sharp, jerky movements, which, again, (laughs) I think the imaginers would love. (laughs) That that critique
0: of their uh, their skill? Yeah, okay. And
1: and it's also worth it for the scene in the second act where Jack-Jack gets out of the boat on Small World and climbs up into the scenery and... Bob actually has to get out of the boat and destroy scenery on Small World to
0: rescue his son. See, and I Jim, think th- you know, this, is, this is my question, right? Yes. When, when, when Bob does it, he's rescuing his child. It's entertainment. Yep. When I do it, it's trespassing.
1: You need to get a small
0: child with a cute blonde spike of hair. I'm just saying. I'll you know, see what I you, can do. There we go. All right, Jim. Next question from our friend Jeff. With all of the news coming out about large amounts of cancellations for Galactic Star Cruiser, I'm wondering if you've heard anything about a plan B. For this hotel, or did you just assume it was going to be a smash hit? Jim, is anyone talking about a plan B at this point? First of all, it's got to (laughs) open. Let's have a plan A. (laughs) People seem so eager for this to fail.
1: They can't wait for it to open. Peter Saretta of SlashFilm tweeted out earlier this week, something that I think everyone needs to take into consideration is like, this isn't a traditional hotel. You got to think of it in a cruise ship mentality and people book cruises and then cancel them all the time. So the fact that, Oh, look at all these cancellations, look at how light they are on rooms, that sort of thing. It's like, you know, yeah, if it, if it's a hotel, it's concerning, but if it's a hotel that really is working on a cruise ship mentality, the fact that people are canceling early to get 50% of the deposit back and that sort of thing, it's not all that different. Right. You know, it's so it's like we need to sort of manage our expectations here. I mean, I, in, in fact, that's the other thing. I just, there's something about the Disney fan community that, that when they predict it's going to fail, it's going to fail, it's going to fail. And then when it doesn't fail, they get very disappointed. Yeah. You know, I, I was planning on all this doom and gloom and I had my party heads to celebrate that that crashed and burned and it didn't. Damn it. So, also the other thing. Remember, we are just a week in at this point to Bob Chaik Peck being the head of the Walt Disney company. Yeah. And Bob's long term plan for the Galactic Star Cruiser is this is the next big franchise for the company. I mean, you know, that remember, we're we're getting a Galaxy's Edge built in France. In France, yeah. And supposedly there there will be a Galactic Star Cruiser eventually built in close proximity to that there are supposedly ongoing conversations with the folks at Oriental Land about a third park being built there to go with Disney Seas, Disney Air and you know that would finally bring Pandora and Galaxy's Edge and what a surprise a hotel will be part of that as well oh there you go if this works this is something that Chapek wants to walk around the world so it's not a question of you know this thing's going to be open for 6 weeks and like oof that didn't work you know let's yeah. pretend that didn't happen they're going to throw a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort into making this thing a success. So
0: Yeah, and we, and we should see the first uh, test cruises go out, I think, within the next three or four weeks, right? There we go. So I guess if you're determined
1: to point and ah, look, it was a failure, might want to pull in your expectations a bit.
0: Yeah, let's wait and see what, uh, what it is. I mean, we'll, I'll be there opening night, so we'll see.
1: Okay, okay. Can't wait to hear your your impressions. So,
0: All right. Uh, from Mike, he says, From the comfortable semi-wraparound air-conditioned theater to the incredible visuals to the sublime musical score, I can't get enough of Impressions de France. I honestly think it's a better experience than Sorin, and it's definitely my top five Disney attractions in the world, though I haven't been to the Asian parks yet. That said, I'm terrified that this movie will unceremoniously leave us In the near future, I've heard nothing but bad things about the Beauty and the Beast film, but that doesn't make me feel any better about the fate of IDF. Do you have any inside scoop on the longevity of Impressions de France? Are its few nightly shows here to stay, or do I need to make an emergency trip to Epcot this year? I'd also love to hear a Jim Hill tale about the history of Impressions de France if you ever get a chance on the show. So Jim, anything?
1: What I have heard is since Beauty and the Beast sing-along debuted back in January. In fact, we're just a, a week or so out from the second anniversary of the opening of this thing. Mm-hmm. This is the modern-day Disney company, and, and, and it's all about IP. That said, the company recognizes what an amazing piece of filmmaking Impressions de France is. And yep. so that's why, is it just an hour or two hours prior to close?
0: I think it starts at 7, 6:30 or 7.
1: Okay. So they, you know, later in the evening, there are at least two hours where they're typically presenting impressions to France. And a lot of that is because, you know, everybody recognizes that there's so much history involved here, Len. It's it's the very first film that you know the music was for a theme park where the music was recorded digitally and presented digitally. That's really the big story in regard to impressions to France is that Rick Harper, the guy who directed the thing, he was a classic music buff. From, again, from the age of six, he, put, he was building a classical music collection. So when this opportunity came his way, mm-hmm. you know, and the, literally they're going to Disney's board of directors looking for money for the thing. And the board is like, are people even going to know what they're looking at here?
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's obscure parts of French with, uh, with uh, music that no one listens to. Yeah, I see the appeal
1: yeah they went in initially with a list of 140 places they wanted to shoot and they to get the board on board they cut it back to 46 locations they also sold them on the idea that what's going to be different about this movie is a you know, we're not going to do a circle vision 360. We're only going to do 270 degrees. So four magazines worth of film gone. All right. It's already cheaper than what we're doing over in China. (laughs) Mind you, the camera still weighs 500 pounds, but again, it's going to be cheaper to shoot. And the kicker is that he and Buddy Baker had sat down with his classical music collection and had built this soundtrack in advance for the attraction. And it's like, Look, we're going to shoot to the music, not the other way around. When Bob Rogers and Rick Harper would go to the field, and they'd be shooting each of these forty-six different scenes, they actually had a stopwatch with them because okay, this is the part yep. in the soundtrack. Yeah, this is how long the shot should be, and they they plan it out
0: down to the second. So I've actually I've actually seen this on the um, the handwritten timing on the score of the Impressionist de France one. film from the Buddy Baker archives. Yeah
1: there you go. Yeah. But at the same time, because you have to, it's a 270 degree image, you know, just setting up the shots took yep. days. I mean, for example, that wedding in Brittany scene, you know, in the the churchyard.
0: <laughs> Those kids are senior citizens now.
1: But three days to light and set that up so you couldn't see the camera. Everybody recognizes that it's an amazing piece of film and it, it deserves to be seen. The downside line mm-hmm. is it's 18 minutes long. That's the other thing that's really kind of sad comment on who goes to see this thing. It's mostly older people.
0: Senior citizens do give it the highest rating of any, uh, any age group that we check.
1: And those folks tend to take a little longer to get up out of their seat and leave the theater. And they also take longer to shuffle in from the lobby and find a seat. So an 18 minute show, you can only do two shows an hour where with Beauty and the Beast, they are doing three shows an hour yeah. because it's largely a kid audience, and they run into the theater and sit down, and then they rush out again. So from an ops point of view, it's hard to argue in the nine hours a day that it's a Beauty and the Beast show, we can get 27 shows in. Sure. On the other hand, the two hours it's run at night, we can get four Impressions to France in. And it's, that's, that's not good from an ops point of view. That makes it really easy to Spike. And right. wasn't it just this week that we we're talking about how we lost an original soundtrack for Future World?
0: Oh, yeah. The uh, the uh, classic Epcot Future World soundtrack, which I think was in place since 2005, has been replaced now. But like I said, I, I don't mind the new one. I think it's, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to give it a shot.
1: Walt himself said, this place isn't a museum. You know, it's it's, it's going to change. It's going to grow. But it's just something like that, where it's like, there were things and impressions of France, the Cathedral of Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, yeah, no longer there, yeah.
1: No longer there. I'm hoping myself that this gets a reprieve, but this is the new Epcot. And, right. you know, a show that's only shown starting at, at six or seven o'clock at night. That's that's not a good sign.
0: It'll be interesting to see what the uh, what the crowds do once Remy switches over to standby. So we're recording this on the 6th it switches over to standby on the 10th. They get rid of virtual cues then. And it'll be interesting to see what that does to crowds because to your point about film capacity, two shows of Impressions de France versus three for Beauty and the Beast with all those people who hang around France now waiting to either waiting for their uh, virtual queue or uh, waiting to get in line at uh, at Remy, that might be uh, something. So a couple of quick things. One, Jim, do you think it would help the senior citizens if Levin's de France started serving a Geritol fizz Look, I, I say this as a
1: 62-year-old, soon to be a 63-year-old. It's like, you know, it depends on what the fizz is.
0: Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Grey Goose vodka. And then um, I actually did some analysis, and Becky, I'd love to, to hear your, uh, your thoughts on this. I did an analysis of not only Impressions de France versus Beauty and the Beast Along, but also Harmonious versus Epcot Forever versus Illuminations. And then enchantment versus happily ever after versus wishes. And the thing I was looking for there is like which demographics likes which thing. So we mentioned already that Impressions de France was highest rated by seniors. They give it four and a half stars out of five. Young adults in over 30s give it four stars. Teens give it three and a half. And preschool and grade schoolers give it three stars. Right, uh, And that's based off many thousands of surveys. The Beauty to Be Sing Along does worse with every demographic from teens on up. But for preschoolers and grade schoolers, they give it four stars each instead of three. So, Becky, is this a a sense of Disney trying to give throwing something for the kids?
2: As a parent of preschool and grade schoolers, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Uh, My husband and I would much prefer Impressions to France. I haven't seen the Beauty and the Beast one because we haven't taken the time to do that. And I'm personally not particularly interested, but I can tell you. My girls are around the house listening to the Encanto soundtrack all day. They've got the Frozen Mm. sing-along microphone. Like, they're all about singing along with those Disney music. So I have a feeling. And in World Showcase, there really isn't a lot to do for those little kids other than Frozen Ever After. Unless you can train them up to appreciate the good things in life, which I'm doing my best to do. But it, <laughs> it just, it just <laughs> takes time, right? <laughs> it's, Constant it's, it's reinforcement. A good, it's a good little people diversion in World Showcase right now.
0: <laughs> All right. And then the, uh, the uh, other shows that I was interested in in Epcot were Illuminations Ratings versus Epcot Forever versus Harmonia. So let's start with Illuminations. Preschoolers and grade schoolers give it four stars out of five each. And then every other age group give it four and a half stars. The next one, the replacement after Illuminations was Epcot Forever. Every age group gave that four stars. So except for preschoolers and grade schoolers, teens, young adults, over 30s, and seniors all thought that Epcot Forever was worse than Illuminations. The interesting thing is if you look at Harmonious, so Harmonious also gets four stars from preschoolers. So uh, preschoolers give four stars to every (laughs) recent Epcot fireworks show. I think anything that blows up in the sky, preschoolers, four stars. Grade schoolers give harmonious four and a half stars, which makes it the highest-rated Epcot nighttime entertainment for that demographic. Any any surprises there, Becky?
2: No, I, I mean it has characters, right? Uh, so yeah. that's fine. Yes, those little ones are going to like that more.
1: The two times that I've seen this show, the, the to watch grade school children react to the show and and point and call out to, ooh, that's Balan, ooh, that's Beauty and the Beast. I mean, it, it definitely has dialed in that demographic, of course, if they're watching between those two shops, you know, on the future world side, I don't know, you know, people around the other parts of World Showcase Lagoon how how their kids are enjoying the eye test. So <laughs> I was going to say, me with the is just
0: better. You
2: just have to talk be. to them about the engineering marvel that are the water.
0: Oh, Look, the arm is
2: moving again.
0: That's what that's what kids want. Yes, engineering. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Uh, Teens also give Harmonious four and a half stars. And I think that's not a surprise because most of the films that are referenced there, uh, those kids would have grown up with. There you go. Right? So four and a half stars. So that ties the uh, teen rating for Illuminations. The interesting thing is that young adults over 30s and seniors all give Harmonious four stars, which make it lower rated than Illuminations. So the only age group in which Harmonious does better than Illuminations is grade schoolers. So, Jim, you think this is a, uh, and Becky, I'd, I'll start with you, actually. Is this a uh, a specific Disney intent to target Harmonious to those kids? Is, and is it is it is it a, you know, we need something for the grade schoolers and teens, or do you think this is part of Disney's long-term 20-year strategy to say, look, if these kids, uh, you know, grow up and have their own kids 20 years from now, whatever, <laughs> 25 years from now. They're going to want to come back here and, and, and see Nighttime Spectaculars.
2: I, I don't know if it's intent. I don't know that I would go assuming that far. I think it's very apparent that they're trying to introduce more characters, uh, especially into Epcot, and Harmonious is a big part of that. So is Beauty and the Beast sing-along that we were talking about. And those do. They just automatically appeal to younger kids more than those of us that have been around Epcot forever and appreciate it. Hmm. Pre characters, those that are growing up with characterized Epcot or appreciating characterized Epcot, and so it could just be part of that longer term shift that yes is appealing to those that don't know any better. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're kids. What do they know? Right. All right, and uh, and if we look over at the Magic Kingdom, right, we have Enchantment now, which is the current version of the nighttime spectacular uh, that replaced Happily Ever After which ran a relatively short while. And that, of course, replaced the classic wishes. So let's start with wishes. Every demographic gave uh, wishes four and a half or five stars. It remains the highest rated uh, of the Disney nighttime spectaculars. Happily Ever After didn't do that much worse. In fact, it was the exact same ratings for every age group, except for the over 30 segment who gave it four and a half stars instead of five. So, uh, so happily ever after for, for what it was, was a pretty solid replacement for wishes. And then we come to enchantment. So for enchantment, preschoolers give enchantment four and a half stars, which is the same rating that they gave happily ever after and wishes. Again, I think if you put anything exploding in front of kids, it's at least four stars, right? The interesting thing about enchantment though, is every other age group gives it four stars and that means it's the lowest rated of the last 3 magic kingdom nighttime spectaculars. So, Becky, have you seen Enchantment?
2: I well, have I seen it? Yes. Have I seen it in person? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Working on right. solving that hopefully pretty soon. But from what I've seen and from what I've heard and looking at the data, it makes sense to me this is the probably the least surprising out of sort of these three data comparisons that we've done so far. And I think something that we're seeing reflected and harmonious and an enchantment like kids are kids if you get them a good view and there's characters and there's exploding things they're going to enjoy it adults maybe even teenagers understand what it takes to get that good view and that good experience and so both harmonious and in my opinion enchantment from what i've heard require more uh positioning which requires Mm -hmm. getting there earlier and saving your spot and Uh, That means not going on as many rides and dealing, right? So Enchantment has a lot of projections, probably, I would say, more ambitious projections than its predecessors. And in order, so when I've seen it on video, right, I can barely see anything Mm -hmm. because projections are going like crazy. So you're going to have to be well positioned and closer in order to see them. That requires more effort. That's probably reflected in the scores from those that understand that effort. And not in the kids that are just there and enjoying the
0: <laughs> The preschoolers aren't there fighting off people <laughs> off the sidewalk for, for right. two hours. People
2: are right. avoiding yeah. them well, anyway because they don't want the bubble wands in their face or whatever.
1: <laughs> did you guys just notice yesterday about the news that broke about the augmented virtual reality stuff that Disney just patented? Yes. That you don't have to wear a visor to see this thing? It's almost It's yeah. almost like a hologram, yeah. Yeah. And think about it. One of the main complaints about Enchantment is that for a large part, you know, you don't know where to look. You're mm. constantly kind of toggling back and forth between the projections on the castle to the fireworks. I mean, that's what's kind of weird about this show that I feel like for the first time, really, there's kind of an uncertainty about. You know, what am I supposed to be looking at to have the best show? And a, a lot of that also has to deal with projections that go down Main Street USA. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. long range, the notion that you could be standing on Main Street and look up and suddenly here is a virtual reality sequence happening, you know, directly overhead where, you know, you don't necessarily have to be straining to look over people to see what's being projected in the castle. It's right, uh, you know, right okay. on top of you. I'm going to be intrigued to see three, four, five years down the line when this finally makes its debut into the park and the very thing that uh, Mm -hmm. Bick was talking about, you know, the notion of you're in the wrong position. You can't see the show. You know, so you give it low marks. If if the show literally surrounds you and you see this amazing virtual reality thing going on directly overhead, how can you not mark that higher?
2: That's a really good point. My as a sort of correlation, my kids watched the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade this year, right? Which I always force them to watch. Cause we're going to have <laughs> traditions. Dang it. Uh, mm-hmm. But, <laughs> If you watched it on TV this year, there were things like the Millennium Falcon flying through the parade and like all these sort of virtual realities layered on. And those were the things that stood out the most to them and captured the attention. Really? It didn't matter that it wasn't real, like the balloons. A, they're preschoolers, mm-hmm. they couldn't really tell. But B, like yeah. they were so much cooler and they were things that they latched onto. So, yeah, if the AR and the VR become cooler and more interactive than the actual fireworks, that's absolutely what those kids are going to latch on to and enjoy in the future.
0: That's a great point. So we're, we're probably a few years out from seeing that in the uh, in the actual parks, but you never know. Yeah. All right. Uh, two more questions. First one from Anna, who says, I love the show and was wondering if you know whether the garden wing rooms of the contemporary are getting the Incredibles makeover that they've had in the tower. We're from the UK and we're booked to stay there in the summer. Um, yes, that's my understanding. And it, it, you know, it comes down to the uh, stuff we've been talking about. Lately, supply chain, you know, uh, workers to do the the change out and whatnot. My understanding was that they would complete the main building refurb. And I don't think that's quite done yet. And then they would move on to the garden wing. So summer-ish is probably the time frame. Whether whether that's early summer or late summer, I'm not sure. But uh, I would expect it to be done uh, around the time of your trip. Yeah, so good luck with that. And then last question from Tom. Uh, My family and I are planning a vacation to Alani later this summer. And I was disappointed to learn that Touring Plans doesn't publish an unofficial guide to the Alani Resort. I can only assume this is due to a lack of volunteers. If so, please send me off with a Touring Plans credit card and I'll be happy to go several times for, quote, research. Until then, do you have any? Yeah,
2: for (laughs) fun. I I go in front of this guy. No. (laughs) And
1: and, and I am directly behind her. All right. I I just.
0: <laughs> until then, do you We're have any recommendations? Dibs. Yeah. All right. It's okay. Strange that we don't have any difficulty getting volunteers for this, but when it comes to burning off an eyebrow at a spa, Damn. all of a sudden it's hard to find people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, so Tom says, until then, do you have any recommendations for alani planning? Beck, have you been to alani
2: No, uh, especially with uh, the little ones. We're not making the trek out to Hawaii yet, but it's on our list.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. And Jim, you've not been, right? Nope.
1: Nope. Long range though. Nates and I were talking about it. It just, I think we, we want to wait till, you know, it, it, it's. To so sure you can get into the island. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, to the point they won't throw us off the island. So. Yeah.
0: My sense is that there's a, uh, Hawaii is made up of a lot of islands with very long yeah. coastlines. You could take a, uh, a, an outrigger canoe and no one would know you actually landed anywhere. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I saw this on Hawaii Five O once, I think. Anyway, Tom, my advice: uh, do everything. I think I've said on the show before. Alani is Disney's best resort. Every good thing that they do in any resort uh, found its way into Alani. There is stuff for kids. There's stuff for teens. There's stuff for adults. It's all self-contained. I think I, I, I don't know if I said this on the show once uh, or not, but I once went for seven days and left the resort exactly twice. Once to go to Foodland, which is a local grocery store. Um, near Alani. And it's fabulous because it has a poke bar. And then the other time was to just walk around and uh, see what the uh, the, uh, Four Seasons was like. But I spent a week at Alani, did not leave the property and had a super fabulous time. I think the food is excellent. The spa is excellent. There's nothing wrong with that resort. Do it all. Um, And that's my advice.
2: Yeah, I would say, especially for those with little kids, we've done uh, Vero Beach DVC Oh, it's the one DVC I haven't done. Oh, see? There we go. We're complimentary (laughs) to one another. (laughs) Uh, But the benefit, like magical things, yes, happen at Disney World when you bring your young kids. When you're bringing young kids to these other off-property DVC resorts, young kids get so much more attention (laughs) because they're less of the population and the the employees just love – showering attention on the little kids. So if you're a DVC member or you rent points and you have young kids, highly recommend trying out some of those other spots.
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
1: By the way, Len, if you are looking for a time to go to Vero, sea turtle nesting season runs from March 1st to October 31st, and they do what they call a sea turtle night walk experience at Vero Beach.
0: Ooh, that sounds great. So,
1: you know, again, if you're going to do it, check that out. So Yeah, I mean,
0: I'm, I'm already in Florida, so Vera Beach isn't that far away.
1: There you go.
0: Fabulous. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Becky tells us which Genie Plus reservations save the most time at all four Walt Disney World theme parks. We'll be right back. All right, Becky, we brought you on the show to give us some advice about which Genie Plus reservations save the most time at Walt Disney World. So the first question uh, I think that people want to know is, why do we want to know this?
2: (laughs) Why wouldn't you want to know this? It's data. (laughs) Exactly. Uh,
0: Exactly. But
2: Genie is a complicated beast. And I think even back in the era of FastPass and FastPass Plus, people wanted to know what the best use of that was. Genie Plus ups the ante because obviously you're paying for it. So you want to get your money's worth. You don't want to waste your Genie Plus reservations because you can only make them every two hours. Or more quickly if you're picking ones that are available sooner. So you really want to understand where you're going to get your money's worth, where you're going to save the most time, and not just go into it blindly.
0: Right. So so there are fewer Genie Plus reservations available, Mm
2: -hmm. right? Yeah.
0: Which ups the stakes, right? Because it's a supply and demand thing. Also true. Fair enough. And what do we mean by by saving time here? Saving time is compared to what?
2: Saving time. Uh, So... Saving time compared to standby lines is really how we're calculating it here. So we have your posted and your actual wait times in the standby queue for each of these rides. You compare that. The lightning lane typically isn't instantaneous. So your lightning lane time savings are going to be a function not only of how long the standby queue is, but also how long that you're going to be waiting for lightning lane. We've seen and heard a few horror stories of I had a Soren genie reservation i got in line and it was a 40 minute wait and the standby was only posted at 50 what the heck was doing Um, but those are rare but it does vary from ride to ride how much time you're going to be spending in the lightning lane especially if the ride goes down and everyone floods it right when it opens back up so it's really the difference between those two you want to maximize that difference to make the most of your genie day
0: cool and where'd you get the data from and how much of it is there
2: we got the data from our lovely Lines users. We have all the posted wait times from Disney, and then Lines users can use the app to submit not only their standby wait times, but also their Lightning Lane waits. So we put all pulled all of those since we started collecting Lightning lanes data in the Lines app. Say Lightning and Lane and Lines a few more times. Faster. And <laughs> Landon in there, too. And doing really doing well there, though. Uh, mm-hmm. Haven't messed it up so far. So you can time those. We've collected... Uh, before Christmas, we had collected almost 700 Lightning Lane weights. We're doing better. Obviously, there were a ton of people in the parks over the holidays. So we're getting more and more. We're getting closer. This is just a first look at what we've been seeing.
0: Fantastic. All right. So uh, let's let's get to the uh, to the results. What are the 10 attractions at which Genie Plus saves the most time?
2: So I'm going to tweak your question just a little bit because I have to <laughs> do that, right? So top 10 10 and 11 are a little bit interchangeable, and there's a very clean break after 11. So we'll go with top 11, uh, because any of those top 11 are going to save you more than 20 or 25 minutes, typically, under most conditions. So all these numbers that I'm quoting, this is based on all crowd levels, all times of day. Obviously, when we start making recommendations, we're going to start slicing and dicing that a little bit more. Um, but then sure. anything below that top 11 is saving you less than that 20 minutes. So that's a nice clean break. Those top 11 are Slinky Dog, Peter Pan, Jungle Cruise, your Navi River Journey, Kilimanjaro mm-hmm. Safaris, The Falcon, Rock and Roller Coaster, Toy Story Mania, Tower of Terror, Splash Mountain, and Test Track.
0: All right, and uh, Splash and Test Track are the tie for 10 uh, Yeah, that's 10 and the
2: tie for 10 and 11. The Test Track technically comes in at 11, doesn't quite make the top 10, but it's close.
0: And is that the, is that the only Epcot attraction?
2: <laughs> it is, so you notice that. If you listened closely to that big list of attraction names, there are five in the top 10 that are Hollywood Studios. There are none that are Epcot, unless you sneak Test Track in there like I did sneakily. Um, Two Animal Kingdom, three Magic Kingdom. So very clear trends there. And I don't think this surprises Mm -hmm. anyone that there are a lot of high standby wait times at Hollywood Studios anyway. So it makes sense that individually you're going to be able to save quite a lot of time there and not somewhere like Epcot.
0: How much time are we talking about saving at Slinky Dog Dash using Genie Plus?
2: Slinky Dog Dash, our average is just over 51 minutes, so it's the one, it's the Ooh. only attraction that breaks over that 50-minute mark. So that's pretty huge. Uh, we've talked about way before Genie was even introduced. We hypothesized, right, that if you could save an hour of time, then it might be worth it because we had these calculations about how much you're paying per hour to be in the park anyway. Um, so Slinky is the one that gets sort of closest to saving you that hour just in one fell swoop.
0: Huh. And then what were the next two after that?
2: Peter Pan's Flight and Jungle Cruise. So those are your Magic Kingdom heavy heat headers. And so Peter Pan's Flight is 50 minutes even, our average right now. And Jungle Cruise comes in at about 48 and a half minutes.
0: So. Okay, so just under 100 minutes in those two rides mm-hmm. in the Magic Kingdom for a 15 or $20 Fifteen dollars Genie Plus.
2: Assuming you can reserve both of them,
0: yes. Assuming you can do both, right? <laughs> so the interesting thing about that is when I was uh, so I've been testing um, having the touring plan optimizer suggest which Genie Plus reservations to get, and it turns out I'm sure this is not a coincidence that the two things it recommends the most: uh, number one, Jungle Cruise; number two, Peter Pan's Flight.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. So yay. Your your going well.
0: <laughs> Yay! The the software is able to find patterns in data. Right. Yay. And I
2: mean, <laughs> sure, Peter Pan right now wins out by overall average. Probably, if I ran the confidence intervals, they'd be pretty interchangeable. It'd be the same. Yeah, Jungle Cruise a, yeah. is a standby line that's much less fun to wait in than even Peter Pan. Uh, so I would personally prioritize Jungle Cruise as well.
0: I think it's amazing, uh, Jim, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. There's nothing in the top 10 that's in Epcot, and there's relatively few rides. You'd think that they would be concentrated, people would be concentrated on those rides. Yeah, but again, we were just talking
1: about this is a park that's in the middle of being reinvented. Mm. Uh-huh. And the Epcot's future, you know, instead of being the science and discovery park, it's a park for celebrations. And it will be intriguing four and five years from now. And in theory, the play pavilion is open and the very long, long overdue reinvention of imagination is completed. I would be fascinated if lightning lane and, and genie plus are still around and operating at that point, you know,
0: with the same rules. Yeah. Mm. With the same rules. It's funny. You mentioned the play pavilion. And I think I've said on the last couple of shows, like Mm -hmm. Disney's got nothing in the pipeline for 2023 or twenty four twenty four, And I always forget about the play pavilion. Because they could eventually open that up years from now, right? Yeah. Yeah, and okay.
1: that one is actually easiest in the bunch because you remember the the initial setup for the Play Pavilion. It was like five smallish attractions yeah. inside of that space, and each of them sort of tasked to different divisions of the company: mm-hmm. television, animation, feature, you know, that sort of thing. So,
0: ESPN, Disney Plus.
2: <laughs> there we go.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the, we did, turning the key on that would be. Easier than we'd expect, but yeah. you know that's not going to be a priority till on the other side of
0: uh, COVID, COVID. Yeah, You're having a bunch of yeah. uh, um, moderately vaccinated kids running around <laughs> indoors, touching things—probably
2: not. Oh, so I uh, could. You just described uh, school. Just <laughs> described school. <laughs> 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 yeah. That was great. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. Hold on, I'm going to choke for a second. Hey.
0: Hey. Alright, so Becky, the uh, uh give us the bottom ten, the least useful attractions. <laughs> the
2: least useful. Oh, so here
0: And if you wanna say if you wanna say bottom eleven again. Uh let's say we'll
2: a, find a good uh breaking point here. There's definitely a clear bottom three, and those are Mickey's fill, her magic, which has a whopping average of saving you zero minutes. Uh <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> mission space, very close second. I think it's at two minutes, and the seas with oh, Nemo geez. and friends. So really, really just no point to use it on any of those three. The next group comes right in about saving you just under 10 minutes to just over. So that's Imagination, the Speedway, Tomorrowland Speedway, Star Tours, Living with the Land, Dumbo, Under the Sea. I'd also throw in Spaceship Earth and Mad Tea Party there. Uh, So lots and lots of Epcot and Magic Kingdom Attractions that eat up people anyway, so they're not an incredible. So how, big how
0: many, how many, Epcot, how many Epcot attractions are there? Mission Space, the Seas, Journey to Imagination, living with, living with the Land,
2: mm-hmm. Spaceship Earth, Sora, Spaceship Earth,
0: five. So yeah. five of the top or five, five, of, the bottom, five of the bottom ten.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's Epcot. eleven again. But yes, yes, five of oh, them okay. are in
0: Okay, five, five, eleven.
2: Totally wow. worthless. Well, and this comes back to all of those genie attractions so grand fiesta tour is also genie eligible it's not here because we didn't have a lot of timed lightning lane waits i would also assume that time savings are pretty negligible there yeah but other than that all of your epcot genie attractions are in future world or whatever the heck they're calling it now and your individual (sighs) lightning lanes which we might talk about later are in world showcase and those attractions are seeing much higher standby wait times and you're getting much better time savings. Future World's just a mess to navigate.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, it
2: has a couple. You've got Test Track and Soren that generate pretty heavy weights when there are high crowds. But other than that, other using than that, Genie to avoid those weights, you're going to spend more time walking <laughs> in between all the thing. construction walls than you are going to save in the standby line. Yeah.
0: I mean that, that that's the trouble with like with like Test Track right, which is eleventh on the list. I mean Test Track. If you're if you're going there from the other side of I don't want to use Future World anymore, but if you're going from you're going from World Nature to World Discovery, that's that could be a ten minute walk right, right. there, easy. And if you know, God forbid, you're coming from Remy right, which is probably <laughs> looking at uh, ten or fifteen minutes there, right? Yeah. And then you have to go back to wherever you were going next, right? So.
2: Yeah, it's a I don't, I don't, it's a total mess. Like, uh, this is why Epcot would be my park where I would least recommend Genie Plus, And I think everyone else agrees. But we had a perfect example of this unrelated to Genie, but extended evening hours. Uh, we ran that oh, test right. trying to save time and we had like there were barely any weights anywhere. We waited 20 minutes for four attractions, but the four attractions were Remy soren test track and frozen ever after and just to make the walks in between you've eaten up your two hours <laughs> that was yeah. to experience all four so it's just miserable to try to do things in any optimized way especially if you're waiting on your genie times <laughs> to roll around and try to figure out where you can wait without having to walk two miles
0: all right, so let's do, uh, let's do this real quick. Um, give us some good advice to keep in mind for Genie Plus at each park, and then we'll talk real quick about
2: individual lightning lanes. Yeah, so at Magic Kingdom... I would, uh, let's see, Genie Plus is going to be the most useful, sort of at those medium crowd levels. At high crowd levels, okay. things start to sell out. We actually saw okay. better availability during the Christmas high crowds than during the Thanksgiving high crowds, so it might not be as much of an issue moving forward. We'll keep an eye on it.
0: Well, don't forget, too, uh, some some individual lightning lane moved to yes, Genie Plus. Exactly. So we have more supply. so that okay. helped okay.
2: alleviate some of that. So definitely you'll want to book Peter Pan's Flight and Jungle Cruise. Those are the obvious two. Um, If Space Mountain is a Genie Plus eligible one, like it is during the holiday period, who knows what that'll look like going forward. It also has Mm -hmm. pretty good time savings compared to Standby. I'd put it sort of in a second tier with Big Thunder, Splash Mountain, um, et cetera. Beyond that, almost everything has pretty comparable time savings. If you throw out things like Mad Tea Party, PhilharMagic, uh, Speedway, uh, Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor that you just don't need... There are a ton of attractions that have very similar types of time savings. And so then just focus on what's important to you and your party, what okay. you want to do. So that's magic kingdom. Hollywood studios has even more availability issues. So slinky dog dash is booking up for the day within the first few minutes, pretty much every day, no matter what the crowd conditions are, um, Right. especially at those like medium crowd level, medium crowd levels. It's booking out before Rise of the resistance does. So if you're going to Hollywood Studios and both of those are important to you and it's medium, level or lower, I actually suggest booking Slinky first and then hopping over and booking your rise uh, if you're wanting to do both. But so Slinky Dog is the obvious winner. It saves so much more time than everything else. After that, you have a second tier sort of the Falcon, Rock and Roller Coaster, mm-hmm. Toy Story Mania, Tower of Terror. That's going to be your next group uh, of things that you should book. If Mickey and Minnie's okay. Runaway Railway is eligible like it is during the holiday season, that falls into that tier as well. But don't waste your time on Muppet Vision or Star Tours. What? I know. It's <laughs> shocking. Uh, <laughs> let's do Animal Kingdom next. Animal so I'm I'm purposefully saying these in an order in which I would recommend them to people to buy. So Animal Kingdom would be next. Uh, we really didn't have much data on Lightning Lanes from Animal Kingdom, because there just aren't that many real attractions that offer it. Uh, And Kilimanjaro, or Mm -hmm. not Kilimanjaro, Cali River Rapids, sorry, was uh, down for most of the time we were collecting data. It's back up now, so we'll get there. But Navi River Journey and Kilimanjaro Safaris have huge time savings. Often on high crowd level days, you're only going to be able to book one or the other, so pick what's important to you. But after that, Uh, use it on whatever if you want to see if it's tough to be a bug sure go for it Uh, (laughs) and then (laughs) at Epcot again test Track's going to be your highest time savings but even then it's only 25 minutes compared to standby typically yeah Uh, frozen ever after on the other hand has huge time savings so in the holiday period where it's eligible it's the obvious winner we didn't see that play out with how things booked out during the holiday period test tracks pulled out before frozen ever after almost every day that's probably availability plays into that too but you're going to save so much more time with frozen ever after if it's an option so do test track then do soaring then do mission space or spaceship earth if those are important to you but overall just maybe don't do it <laughs> Head up
0: so frozen Ever after um first if it's available as a genie plus absolutely. over absolutely. test track absolutely oh good advice yes. okay cool
2: because Right. After you're saving over an hour compared to standby, easily compared to 25 minutes for test track. So,
0: and you mentioned that during the higher crowd levels, you tend to save less time because there's less yep. capacity. Yeah. Right, which limits the number of Genie Plus reservations you can get. Right. So, 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 Jim, Disney's mm-hmm. got to know this, right? Disney's got to know that Genie Plus reservations for the very popular attractions sell out during periods of of relatively high crowds. And let's just let's just remind everyone. We're not yet back at the crowd levels we saw in 2019. We're not even there yet. So, okay. if we get back there, Jim, won't, uh, won't capacity become more and more of an issue with Genie Plus? Oh yes. You know,
1: but on the other hand, you know, if you, if you talk with folks at the resort or that sort of thing and and bring this issue up, it's like, yeah, but we'll have so much more experience and so much more data that we will make smart choices. And it's like, (laughs) really? Great. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to hear. When, when will that start?
0: (laughs) That's exactly. So it's like, okay. I, you know, I, I, on the one hand, I think it's obvious they need to bump up capacity at some attractions, Genie Plus ca- capacity at some attractions. The downside is, is you know, once you hit like 75, 80% capacity, you're back into a fast pass situation, mm-hmm. which n- I think Disney is actively trying to get away from. So they have they have constraints there. The other thing that they've seen, and Becky, I know we've seen this in the data too, is, is that Disney is favoring guests in the Genie Plus lines yeah. so much more than guests in the standby line
2: mm-hmm.
0: that there's a limit to how much capacity they could allocate because I, 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 we've heard stories, you know, over the holiday period where we had, um, you know, touring plans users in the standby line counting the number of people going by in the Genie plus line before they move forward. And, you know, I've heard stories of, you know, literally 99 yep. guests at, uh, get, getting pulled from the Genie plus line before the first guest <laughs> got pulled from standby. Now that's an extreme thing, right? Some, yeah. Something, something was going wrong, but you know, 99% allocation to Genie plus uh, is not going to make for a lot of happy people in the standby line.
2: Right. Uh, yeah. So just don't count the people. I'm a data person, but don't do that. Just don't do it. Uh, but we've seen, and I think part of this is aggravated at least anecdotally by rides going down and Jeannie not handling yeah. that well. Uh, Very often we see genies still giving out boarding passes or reservations, whatever you want to call them, while a ride is down. And so if the ride comes back up, there's a huge glut of people that can ride it. And then you have to. You have to be able to eat that line. So that's happening pretty regularly from what I've seen.
0: And Becky, uh, before we go, what individual lightning lane attractions are worth the money, in your opinion?
2: Worth the money. So again, that's going to depend on crowd levels, etc. Absolutely rise the resistance. Uh, I hope no one from Disney is listening, but they could crank the price up on that easily. Uh, our ab- no, we know who to
0: thank when that happens now. Right.
2: Yeah, sorry. Uh, the average time savings on Rise of the Resistance is over 90 minutes. Uh, so that's wow. just the very obvious winner if you're going to buy individual lightning light for anything. It's that Remy is also a big one, and this might change when it goes to standby. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But okay. the people that have been in the virtual queue and then get into that physical standby queue, it's not a standby line cause it's not standby, it's virtual, but that line has been between an hour and two hours. And they've that ride above all others heavily favors the lightning lane. Uh, so time savings there has right. been up over 75 minutes. Um, after that, your next best options are flight of passage and frozen ever after they both save you okay. over an hour just by themselves. Um, so wow. those would be my top four. Seven Doors Mine Train sneaks in there with over 50 minutes of time saving, so it's pretty comparable to like Peter Pan and Jungle Cruise. If you'd rather just pay the one time for that, your other three: Runaway Railway, Space Mountain, Expedition Everest, typically, typically not worth it.
0: Really, Space Mountain, Expedition Everest.
2: Runaway runaway Railway. So it depends on your definition of worth it, right? To me, I'd rather buy Genie Plus and stack some of those at Hollywood Studios than pay for Runaway Railway, which has a 34 minute time savings on average. That's still half an hour, but you're paying a lot for one ride. Try to stack some of the other Genie Pluses. Space Mountain's even less than that. And Expedition Everest is often a walk-on. <laughs> uh, but even right. in the highest crowd levels, you're saving half an hour. It averages out to like 15 or 18 minutes, something around that. So it's hard to justify yeah, paying extra money. A
0: dollar a minute. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Wow, fabulous insights here. I appreciate that
1: Becky's taking the time <laughs> to share. It's an evolving situation. Right. you know. Sure. The, like, I love that you guys... Committed to gathering this all of this data during the holiday period when it it was as crazy busy as it was. Mm -hmm. Just going to be interested to see going forward here how you guys can refine the stuff you're pulling in and you know further tweak the advice to folks. But but you know, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, when uh, when Guardians comes online and when Tron comes online, that's that's also going to change the dynamic here. So we'll have to have you back on, Becky.
2: Yeah, Yeah, always.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Thanks again. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please head on over to DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com, where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes, including live shows Jim and I have recorded in all four Walt Disney World theme parks. On next week's show, Disney's first attempt at a Marvel attraction, the Iron Man Experience at Hong Kong Disneyland. You can find more of Jim at JimHillMedia.com and more of me, Len at TouringPlans.com. Becky, where can people find you?
2: I'm on Instagram at RaisingManyMe's. You can also email me, G at touringplans.com.
0: And we're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who's been named Grand Marshal of the 2022 Interstate Mullet Toss held at the florabama Lounge Package and Oyster Bar on April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, that's Earth Day, on Orange Beach in beautiful coastal Orange Beach, Alabama. While Aaron's doing that, please go on to iTunes and Radar Show, And tell us what you'd like to hear next for Jim and Becky. This is Len. We will see you on the next show.